0: Uh. Well, good morning, church. Good morning. I don't know if my voice is going to hold up. Um, just with all those songs, man, I'm just like at the top of my lungs. Felt bad for Greg up here. He's probably going, Stop, Pastor. You're throwing me off. <laughs> but, Amen, man, that we can worship like that is just amazing. Turn, if you will, to Philippians chapter 3 this morning. We're going to veer off from our, our series in uh, Matthew, in the Gospel of Matthew. Um, let's see if I can get there myself. Uh, I just want uh, to just, just kind of share with you this morning as a church um, what the Lord, I believe, is laying on my heart. For us, as we move forward in 2018, um, a few weeks ago, as we were closing up t- 2017, uh, December 31st just so happened to fall on a Sunday, and I took advantage of that to just kind of, kind of look back at 2017 and what a, what a year it was. I mean, there was a lot of blessings that that happened throughout that year, for sure. But it was a hard year, and there was a lot of changes, and so I, I titled the message Year of Change, and I shared all that with you, and um, if you weren't here, I'm not going to review it, but you can go on our website, and you can listen to it um, if you'd like. But because of all the changes that had that have occurred, um, and, and because there's so many different people, it just seems like. Uh, as we begin this year, many of you uh, have been with us for a little bit, but there 's a lot of you who are who are fairly new and I just kind of want to give you uh, a heads up or kind of bring you up to speed as to who we are as a church and how we function here as a church. We are going into m- our seventh year with me as the pastor of Calvary Chapel of Phelan, which is crazy amazing. I'm a youth guy. Yeah, right. Some of the people are like gasping, going, We have <laughs> we have tolerated you for seven years already? You guys have been so gracious and so loving to me, you know I, I I was a youth guy for for years here, and I loved doing it, and i didn't think i'd love it as much as I'd love this as much as I love that, but I truly, truly do. but I have been here at this church for 30 years, and some of you guys again you you don't you don't know that you know some of you guys are fairly new, but i 've been here, and i 've been serving in various positions throughout our history here, for me and my wife and my kids and, um, and, and just in just in in practically the thirty years that we've we 've been here we 've served one way or another, and my heart as the pastor here is to have vision. I know when I was a youth pastor and assistant pastor, that was my pastor 's job to have vision for the church, and I knew that when when I was coming into that position, then I really should have vision for for moving us forward. Uh, and looking forward, because if I don't, then the church will become stale, old, and dead. And I'm a good maintainer, and I could kill a church that way. And so I had to be praying, Lord, give us vision. Give me vision. And, 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 and stale, old, and dead is the opposite of renew, ref, uh, refresh, renew, and revive, which was what the Lord was showing us this past year. And again, that's not going away. We need to continually be refreshed, renewed, and revived daily. And that's why we have to have vision. Uh, let me read to you in Proverbs, though, before we get into. It's going to be a long introduction. We'll get to uh, to our text soon enough. But I want to read to you Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, and I think it's important. And I will read it to you in several different versions. And it's important for us as Christians to to understand this verse for our own lives as individuals, but also for a church. It's important that we understand this. And I, I read out of and teach out of the New King James. And so it says this, Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. And if you have the NIV, it sounds very similar um, to, to what I just read you. But let me read it to you in the New Living Translation. It says, When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. The King James, the old King James, it says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. One of my other favorite versions is the Amplified. Where it says, where there is no vision, no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. But he who keeps the law of God, which includes the law of men, blessed, happy, fortunate, and envied is he. Now I truly love all of those versions. I love that. And, and if you've been here for a while, I've shared those before. But my favorite is out of the, the King James, the old King James because that's the way I first learned this portion. And, and that's the way I will quote it just about every time when I'm talking about vision. Because again, that's just the way I, I learned it. Now this is why I believe as Christians we should always be praying for fresh revelation or vision from God for ourselves and for our church. Not that he has to say anything new to us because there is nothing new under the sun as we know in scripture, but his word is living and active and powerful. And it is so powerful that, that it can bring a freshness into our lives every time we open up his word and we read it. That's how powerful and active it is. We are to be led by His Word and we are to be guided by His Word. We are to acknowledge Him in all that we do, in word and in prayer. And He will direct our path, the Bible says. Because it is through His Word that He will give us understanding. He will enlighten our eyes, as it says in Ephesians, to know what is the hope of His calling. And so I ask you to turn to, to uh, Philippians chapter 3. I want to read to you Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse six, uh, 7, and we will read to verse 16. Now, just because I'm reading it to you, we're not going to dive in right away. I still got some more stuff to share, to share with you. But this is where we're at in our text. And so in, in Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 7, it says, but what things were gained... To me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss, for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering being conformed to His death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself. To have apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, and let us be of the same mind. Amen? Amen. Those of you who may, have, may be new, fairly new, to Calvary Chapel of Phelan, back in October 2017 we had a week of prayer and fasting and we have been doing that for the last couple of years maybe the last few years that we invite the whole church to come together for that week of just spending time before the Lord to praying and fasting throughout the week however that might look to you but 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 just kind of getting together in the evenings and bringing the church corporately together to pray whether people have been fasting or not whether they've partially fasted or however it's been but we have come together to seek the Lord for direction and vision for that upcoming year you see for for a long time since I've take, taken over I've always started praying throughout the year, but mainly around October. And for the last several years, I invited everybody, hey, come and join me, man, as as I'm praying for direction and vision that we would be praying corporately for prayer or, or for direction and vision. And I must say that the Lord has been so faithful, so faithful to meet us right where we are at. Throughout the years, it just seems that whenever we've been praying for vision and he's given us vision, as we enter into that next year and as God has been laying things on my heart and our heart, he just seems to be be building upon the previous vision. Now we have an overall vision. It's in your bulletin every week right in the front where it says upreach, inreach, outreach. That is our main vision and it won't change unless the Lord takes us in a different direction, but for the most part, that will, that will be our vision. But building upon that year after year, it just seems that the Lord has just been faithful to meet us right where we're at as a church, as people. And what I believe that the Lord has been laying on my heart, on our hearts, as we've been praying as a church for the 2018 vision, if you will, is to press in and to press on to press in and to press on. Now, during that week of prayer and fasting, as we were gathering together, I mean, I was spending my own time in prayer at home or here in my office, but when we were gathering together, corporately in the evenings to just just pray you know just listening to other people pray as to which direction man I'm jotting stuff down as as God is you know just using other people in our fellowship as they're praying and I'm jotting things down during that time of prayer and nothing the things that I wrote down nothing really just like hit me or popped up and just like slam me in the face and say this is it right here and so you know in that time I'm going okay um, that week following because i'm going okay lord nothing nothing tangible just stuck out and in that following week as i was continuing to pray i remember just praying and saying the lord lord do i have to have some kind of vision that just hits me or can we just stick to what you've already shared with us I don't want to think that I have to manufacture some kind of, of, of theme or some kind of jazzy kind of like let, let it pop out to you. Lord, I don't want to do that. If you're not telling me this is the direction that we're going, then we want to stay right where you have us. And, and I'm reminded of when, when, when Moses is dealing with the nation of Israel and he's talking to God and God says, you know what? And at this point, God was like up to here with Israel, right? And the children of Israel. And he says to them, hey, why don't you guys just go? Because if I go with you, Moses, I'm going to kill all of you. <laughs> right? And Moses is going, if your spirit doesn't go with us, we're not moving. And it's like, whoa. And that's the way I feel. You know what? We will stay and do what he has called us to do with the vision to upreach, inreach, and outreach continually. And I don't want to manufacture or go ahead of them and say, this is our vision. God's going, man, you are so off, Zeke. You didn't even pray. You didn't even listen. You didn't even wait. And so that, that's where I'm at. And I battle that because I don't want to have something manufactured or anything like that. And so when I'm telling them about that, that following week, it comes to about a Saturday, Friday night, Saturday. I'm, I'm thinking a Saturday. And at the end of that week, of going, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm okay. My beloved farm boy, who uh, is Thomas O'Neill, the young Thomas O'Neill. You guys know who he is. I call him affectionately farm boy because he, he does whatever I ask him to do. <laughs> and he always says, as you wish, meaning I love you. And I love that dear kid. And at the end of that week, man, he texts me. And he does that periodically just to encourage me because he knows I'm a little baby. <laughs> no, but that week, man. And I don't know if we had had a conversation or anything like that, but he texts me this text, part of this text that I just read to you. And at the bottom of his text, you know, he's skipping a couple lines and he just, he just writes press in, two backslashes, press on. And I looked at that and it was instantly, like the Lord said, this is for you. This is for you. This is what I have for you. And so because of that, now I'm taking that to prayer, going, okay, Lord, is that just for me? Is that just an encouragement for me because of what was going on last year? That I needed to press in and press on. And so as I took that to prayer and then I shared it with <clears throat> with the pastors here. I'm going, Lord, if, if it is just for me, then Lord, again. But I just felt like I need to share it at least with Pastor Daniel and Pastor Jacob and Pastor Gary, I think, at, at that time. I'm just kind of saying, is this for, for just me or, or, or is this for, for the church, Lord? And as I began to pray and read over the text and just dwell in it, the Lord just began to confirm in my heart through his word, through that text right here and through the the pastors as we're praying. And it just seemed that because we had such a year of change as we were finishing up October and still it was just craziness. As it was coming to a close, press in and press on just seemed so appropriate. I know for me and for many of you because of what I know that many of you guys have been going through. Man, there's crazy changes that have happened in your own lives. And the encouragement that God is giving us is press in and press on. So how does press in and press on affect us as a church? Well, it doesn't, and it won't, unless it affects you individually first. Again, I've been doing this long enough and been in ministry long enough to understand that I cannot make my vision your vision. I can't. I can't force you to say, here's your vision, take it. And you're going, whoa, 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 Jack, back up. I understand that. And so all I can do as I'm praying for for me, Lord, what do you want from me and for us as a body? All I can do is serve it up to you. Lay it out for you and present it to you and for you. Believing that that is the direction God is leading me and the church in that direction. In other words, this is a direction that I am going to take as the pastor of this church to press in and to press on, as well as the board and the staff and the leadership. And we invite you to partake and be a part of that. But again, you have to leave here and pray and go, Lord, is that what you're expecting from me? Because again, man, maybe some of you guys have not shared with me anything that happened this past year or what's been going on. But man, oh man, is it appropriate maybe for you to press in and then to press on? Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 2 and 3 says, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he who runs, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet For an appropriate time. But at the end, it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. Because it will surely come. It will not tarry. And that's what I believe as I've been praying through this and anticipating this and going, okay, Lord, what do you have for us? That I have been able to do that to say, here it is, peeps. Here we go. This is where we're at today. This is where we're headed this year. Many of you who have been with us for a while know that we are a church that prays for vision and direction. And some of you, it's interesting because some of you towards the end and the beginning of the year, you start asking me, hey, what's God telling you? Which direction are we going, man? And I love that because it's almost like appropriate you know that your pastor should have vision and direction now if, if God said Zeke you're just sticking with the same thing I would be as honest as I, as I can with you and say nope we're just sticking with the plan but some of you man you guys are so nosy it's like texting me hey what's, what's God saying what's God? it's like just wait wait for it I'll lay it out for you wait for it and then, and then we can run together And it's almost this anticipation, you know, because some of you guys are going like, okay, it's the first of the year, when when are you going to share it? It's like, just hold on, hold on. And I kind of just want to spring it on you, so you go, okay, that's what it is. And probably those people that are always anxious are not here today. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Bless their little hearts. (laughs) If you are fairly new to our fellowship, just know that that is who we are as a church and if you've already been part of this fellowship for a little time and you call calvary chapel your home church then be confident be very confident that we are praying for vision and direction that's that's what we want to be and do and so now let's get into our text (laughs) philippians chapter 3 let me share with you why it is so important for us to press in before we can ever press on. And so in verses 7 to 11, as the Apostle Paul is writing to this church that had become so dear to him, and he's just encouraging these people. I mean, he, he, he is so loving on these people that, that early on he said, Matt, I am this confident in what God is doing in you that God will finish it on that day because, because God has been faithful to you and so he gets to this point here and right before he gets to verse 7 from verses 4 to 6 Paul, the apostle Paul just, just finishes telling them telling the readers his pedigree who he is and how pure it was and all that he had gained from his pedigree. He, he was on track, this man. He was on track to being one of the best, if not the best, Pharisee in modern time, in that time. This guy was top notch. He was the student that you wanted to have. He was the guy that was going to go for it because that's what his desire was. And he was not going to let anything stop him to fulfill all that was ahead of him. And so he was going to press on and attain all that he possibly could attain within that religious system and nothing was going to get in his way. You see, this was a man who knew theology or he knew God theologically But he did not know God intimately. He knew everything about God. But he really did not know God. Externally, the guy was amazing. Internally, he was just like those those Pharisees that we have read about in the Gospel of Matthew that Jesus just comes against and warns everybody about. He was on that same track of being just like those guys. That outwardly, everything would be amazing in this man's life. But inwardly he would end up having dead man's bones. But he was on track for that. And so theologically he knew everything that needed to be known about who God is. But intimately he was dead. He was dead. He did not know God personally. Now because of the encounter that Paul had with Jesus, as he was on the path of pressing on with his religious endeavors... (laughs) He came to realize that pressing on meant nothing to him unless he pressed in with the one he came and encountered to. With the one that knocked him off his high horse. Most believe he was on a horse. Anyways, he was knocked down from whatever he was on. He realized, he came to realize at that moment that everything he had pressed on for in the religious system was nothing if he didn't know that one that knocked him off his horse. Paul had come to the conclusion of counting all things lost, all things lost, for the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. The pressing on wasn't worth it anymore. Even if it had gained him everything. Everything that that, that had made him. All those things that, that... that that he had gained in life and prestige and honor and in, in fame, whatever it was, essentially it led him nowhere when he came across the living God. When Jesus confronted him and stopped them in his tracks. He had come up empty. He wasn't fully satisfied anymore. So now, he was willing to press in before he pressed on. Doing anything else, he was willing to press in and find out who is this? Who is this that has spoken to me? So now, his heart was to press in and now he was going to press on. But it would be in a different direction with a different purpose, determination, and resolve. That is what he shares with us here. Verse 8 in the Amplified sounds like this. Yes, furthermore, I count everything as lost compared to the possession of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and of progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, of perceiving and recognizing and understanding him more fully and clearly. For his sake, I have lost everything and consider it all to be mere rubbish, refuse, dregs, in order that I may win, gain, Christ, the anointed one with everything that he just told us about in verses 4 to 6 he says all of it nothing I counted as loss that I might know him that I may become more intimately acquainted with all that he is whatever that means I want it all and I will press in to find it all. That's what He is saying to us here. So what does that mean? Or what does it mean for us to press in? Well, for some of us, it is a reminder to keep doing what you have been doing. For others, it means get back to to doing what you used to do to press in. For some, it means start doing what you've never done before. <laughs> Press in. Press in to know all you can about who He is. You see, Paul, he was willing to do whatever it took to know Christ. He was willing. With everything he knew. Again, very impressive resume and pedigree. But he was willing To forget it all, everything he had ever learned, to know Christ, to know Him, to be found in Him. (laughs) He was willing to lose it all. He wanted to have the knowledge of who He is, and He wanted to gain it all, to be found in Him. He understood everything, what it meant to have His own righteousness. He knew everything about that because He was a Pharisee. And they were very self-righteous. And they let everybody know about it. So he understood what it means to not share in his own righteousness, to not be consumed with having his own righteousness, which is of the law. He understood that to the T. He shared that with us. But what he wanted, he wanted to know the righteousness that comes through faith in Christ. That's what he wanted. And in order for him to know the power of Christ's resurrection, he would have to know the fellowship of his suffering and then be conformed to that first and foremost before he could understand resurrection. He had to die. He had to die to who he was and what he knew so that he could understand the resurrection power. So just like Paul, before we can truly press on in the things of God, we are to press in to Christ first and foremost as individuals. We need to do that first and when we do that first as individuals then corporately it spills into the body of Christ here at Calvary Chapel feeling. That's That's when we as a church have this vision and we run with it. When it happens with you and I first. You see the reason that Paul gives us and he shares with us about his pedigree it was to show us to minister to us that he was willing to lay aside and lose everything. He was willing to to tell us, man, this is what I had become. And I'm willing to lose it all. This is what he had laid down. This is what he had lost. As a reminder that he was pressing on to other things, but now he was pressing in. If we are going to press on for Christ. Then we have to press into Christ. Here's the practical aspect of what it meant for Paul that the losing of everything in comparing to Christ and knowing Christ was nothing. Whatever he lost was nothing in comparison to knowing what he knew now in Christ. He was willing to do that. The only way for us to know Christ intimately it is to have a proper perspective of who He is and what His Word tells us who He is. It is only through His Word that we can know Him intimately. It just doesn't happen, people. I, I, I know that people, is like, man, they could be good people, good persons. But if they don't know Christ, they're pressing on to other things that will lead them to emptiness and nothingness and so for us as believers if you are a believer the proper perspective for us to have is found in his word to have it and it will always end up looking like this as we read it because this is who he is it will always end up looking like grace and humility that that's what we find in christ There's always grace and humility. You see, Paul's pedigree looked a lot like pride and arrogance at the end. That's what it was for him. It was a sense of pride. He gave us a proper perspective of who he was. Paul did. And it looked nothing like Jesus. That's why he had this radical transformation in his life. Because he was not knowing Christ in any way. As you press in to Christ and know him through his word, then you will be found in him. And as you are found in him, you will begin to identify, or or, or you will be identified as being in him. Because His Word tells us that. And whatever begins to come out of us, as we are found in Him and identify with Him, whatever comes out of us will look more like Him and less of us. You see, Galatians 2.20 says, For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith, in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. You begin to take on His identity because that's who we are. We are in Him, to be found in Him, to know Him. And we will identify more with grace and humility in our lives because that is who He is and less with pride and arrogance in who we are. And Paul was a great example for us in our text here. Now, there, there's a caveat to this here. And please take note. Be very, very careful, as the great Elmer Fudd would say, <laughs> of becoming spiritually prideful and arrogant. Because then you will look a lot more like scribes and Pharisees than you will Christ. So we need to be careful with that. And I believe that Paul fought that all his life because he knew where he had come from and he had to put on Christ every day. He had to. Because all that he had learned back then never left him. And so I believe that he fought that the rest of his life. But that's just me. There are a couple pictures that I, I, I get as I as I look at pressing in. And I get this picture of this kid, this child, you know, when they're small and they just don't quite understand it all. But you have them and as grandparents, they've done this to us, where they just kind of get you and they just press in this kid. And they just want to be so, and they don't realize, you can't get any closer, kid, you know? <laughs> But they're just like, oh, or or you have a snuggler, you know, a kid that's a snuggler and they're just like worming their way in and worming their way in and you're going, and it's just moving you. It's like, okay, stop. You can't get any close. But you know what I'm saying? They just want to press in. And that's what it looks like that we would be doing that. And so the other picture that I have is that someone who wants to press in, they're just have his word and they're just like in it, you know. So much that it moves you. Because you're pressing in. Now, these are just letters. Here is what comes out of it, peeps. But the more you're in it, as you're pressing in, you will know and be found in Him. If you take heed to what He shares with us, what is in His Word? And now begin to apply it into your lives. That it it, it will take hold of you and move you. The only other way that I can encourage you to press in is in fellowship and coming together. That's the only way I can encourage you to be with other brothers and sisters whether outside this building or inside this building. To be around other people who also are wanting to press in. Because when you're around that (laughs) then it strengthens you as we come together. I, I can only give you my observation here. Those who are hit and miss in fellowship are probably also hit and miss in reading the Word of God. That's just an observation that I have. Which means That their relationship with, with Jesus is probably also a hit and miss. There's a dear brother here. He's into what they call hit and miss engines. And he could explain it to you if you ask me who he is, I'll tell you. He will show you everything about those things. They're fascinating. I went to a show uh, last week where he was at. He had, he had some of these hit and miss engines. They're those old-timer-looking things, man, with wheels that are turning like this, and there's a, a popping, a... You know, and it's just fascinating. I'm just, like, looking around going, this is crazy. This is amazing. And Just the way they're doing it on, blah, blah. It's just, it's just amazing, but, but it kind of reminded me of Christians who are hit and miss because these engines, some of them, not all of them, some of them are like, pa, 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 pa. and some of them were, were, were like, th- there, there's this this pop and it goes fast and then it just starts slowing down. And, and it was just like that. and I'm going, man, that's, that's our lives. <laughs> that's our lives, man. It's like, let me get to a Sunday. Pa! And, then if you <laughs> and then the Sunday hits, and then the Sunday hits, and, and, and so it was just fascinating to see all this. You know, because they had tons of these things around, man. It's just like, this is crazy. It's almost like you're pressing in, you're pressing in, before. you're pressing on. You're not pressing in you're not pressing in. You're, pressing in, you're not pressing in. you're pressing in, you're not pressing in. You're pressing in, and you're not pressing And it's, it's, it's almost like that. And, you, and, and you're, you're kind of wondering why, you know, as you're pressing in and not pressing in, that you're never really pressing on. You're, you're, you're never really going anywhere because it's just this hit and miss and really stuff is not happening and I talk to you about a vision you're going I have no clue man because you yourself have never been that consistent with Christ to press in consistently I gotta wore myself out there I'm gonna have to be careful for second service (laughs) but consistently pressing in. If you are doing that, then it only stands to reason that you will be pressing on. It will come automatically. If you are pressing in consistently, then you will be pressing on automatically. You see, there's no way that any Christian can press on without pressing in because you're doing it in your own efforts in your own righteousness, thinking that you can do this and you don't even know what the Word of God says about who you say you know. It's like having a a sticker on your window that says (laughs) 26.2. Some of you guys are going, I see that, what does that mean? It means that you've ran a marathon, basically, right? 26.2 miles. You signed up for it. You got the sticker for it. But you never got the medal at the end of it because you never pressed on to really run the race. And, 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 and that's what a Christian life, you can have, the, the, you can have the, 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 the title of a Christian, but you're never going to reach that upward call. What, what, what he has for us even here because you've never really pressed on. Oh, you got the sticker. <laughs> I thought I pressed in. <laughs> now you just pressed it on your window. That's about it. <laughs> because in verses 12 to 16, the Apostle Paul tells us and shares with us what it means to press on. He's already told us that he has counted everything lost so that he can press in. So he can know who Christ is to be found in him. And he says, not that I have already attained, or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press on towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. Jesus, this is what it looks like to press on and I love the humility of my brother Paul here because if anybody could have bragged about having attained it could have been Paul, dude he wrote most of the New Testament, if anybody was close to Christ and hearing his voice so that he could jot it all down it was this man and he could have bragged about it, but he didn't. He goes, I haven't attained it yet. I'm not perfected yet, man. That's what I'm trying to lay hold of. That's what I continue to press on about. As far as pressing in, man, I'm pressing in as much as I can so I can lay hold of what he has, and so I will press on to that. He uses the, pre- the, the, the phrase, press on, Because he had already pressed in. And he knew how Christ had already laid hold of him because of that. And he wanted to lay hold of who Christ is in the same way. For Paul, pressing on meant he wanted to grasp and continually grasp and make this intimacy with Christ his own that's what he is saying just like Christ had grasped him and continued to grasp him because Christ had already made his intimacy with Paul his own it's like man paul jesus wants intimacy with you and he's already grasped you to have intimacy He already wants that intimacy. It's our job. It's our desire. It should be our desire to grasp Him and hold on to Him because He's already done it all. And say, Lord, I want it all. And I will press on to find it all because that's who you are. And if I press into you, then I will press on with you. I love when he said, brother, I do not count myself to have already done this. Paul is saying, I haven't captured it yet. (laughs) I really don't have it in my own possession yet. In other words, I'm not satisfied where I'm at. I want more. I want more. Guys, that should be our desire. To press in. To know Him. And then what, for what He has for you and what He has for me and what He has for us. We want more. What do you want for us? Where, where do you want to take us Lord? How crazy do you want us to be outside these walls in our community? How crazy do you want me to be at home? How crazy do you want me to be on my job for you because I've apprehended and I'm trying to apprehend who you are and I've pressed in, and you showed me that I'm yours, and you are mine, and what else do you want me to press on with? Dude, you start praying that, be careful. (laughs) Because he might just say, this is where I'm leading you, and you're going, no, it can't be. It's like, yes, it can be. You should be desiring to go there. You've pressed in so hard that you've even moved him and said, hey, you want to press in that heart? Oh, I'll, come on, let's go. And that's why I'm so excited about this fellowship and what he has been showing me about you, many of you. Because of what happened last year in your life, I know God's moving you because he took you one of, through one of the hardest times of your life. And you shouldn't be here right now. You should have bailed on him, but you didn't because you pressed in, and now you're pressing on. I haven't got there yet. I'm not satisfied yet, and that's causing him to press on, and it should be causing you to press on even more. Now, I'm not a runner, obviously. No fat jokes, come on. But I do know that as a runner, you focus what's ahead for what's ahead. You can go on YouTube and find guys who have turned around as they're running. And what happens? It is hilarious, man. It's like you shouldn't look back. You should look. Because all of a sudden you start, boom, 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 boom. Or the guy behind hits the guy. Again, a runner should not be looking back. That I know about running. <laughs> you should always be concerned with what's ahead. Yeah, but what if they're gaining on you? Then just keep on going ahead. You just keep going forward. And he says, one thing I do. And the one thing that Paul is encouraging the reader to do is forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. To press on to what is ahead. Again, Paul's pedigree, was pretty impressive. And he only looked back (laughs) at it, if you will, to say that it was nothing. What's behind me? Nothing. I, I, I have my eyes this way. I know what's behind me. I know what I left behind. And I'm reaching forward and I'm pressing on and I'm aspiring to lay hold of and attain That for which He has laid hold of me. You see, we often think that leaving behind or forgetting those things which are behind are the bad and ugly things. And we should do that. But we are also to leave behind even those good things. Because I think sometimes we go, Oh, those good old days, like now the good old days are that way. The good days are that way. So leave behind the good, the bad, and the ugly. Oh, use it. Use it as a testimony. Don't get me wrong. But don't live in the past because now you're always looking back and you're never going to press on to reach what he has in front of us. He says in verse 14 I press towards, or I press on towards the goal. I press on towards the goal to win, <laughs> to gain. He wasn't going, I press on to maybe come in fifth, seventh. <laughs> yeah. I think sometimes we just like, I just want to make it. Yeah. I don't care when. It's like, no, why don't you press on hard and win everybody else? <laughs> I'm very competitive. My family's very, very competitive. Don't even get me on board games. I ruin them. Anyways, I'm a sore loser, but I'm a worse winner. Just, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> But he says, I, I, I am pressing forward towards that goal to win, to gain all that Christ has for me. Not just in the life to come, but everything he has for me right now. I want it all, if it's in him. That's what I want. And so you move forward. And verses, yeah, yeah, I'm going to close up. For, <laughs> I'm thinking, on that clock. Somebody should take that clock off. But anyways, no, we shouldn't. People are going. Verses 15 and 16 in the Amplified, it says, So, let those of us who are spiritually mature and full-grown have this mind and hold these convictions, and if in any respect you have a different attitude of mind, God will make it clear to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have already attained and walk and order our lives that way. Let's just go for it. Well, Paul is not saying here, hey, if you're not with us in this, then God is going to show you how wrong you are and put you in your right mind like us mature people. And if he doesn't do it, I will do it. He's not saying that. He is basically telling them, and I will tie it in with our our vision for this year, as you press in to Christ then you will be able to press on for Christ. Just like those of us who are mature around you, you will be able to walk in that. He is faithful to show you how to do that. You see, we can't make anyone press in and press on. But many of us as individuals and as a church... We'll be pressing in and pressing on. You can join us. I, as a pastor of this church, have written it out, written out the vision for 2018. I have tried to make it plain. We're going to run with this. (laughs) And you're more than welcome to run with us. And I believe that this is the appointed time for us, as Habakkuk said. So press in first. First and foremost as individuals and because of that as a church we will continue to press in in his word and I promise you that that we will preach the word to you we will serve it up lay it out present it to you and as we do that then we will press on as individuals and as a church many of you guys already have reading plans but if you don't start you can go online and find a reading plan. I had Pastor Daniel uh, get a sheet of paper and has a reading plan for the year. It's New Testament, just the New Testament. If that's, I think that's what we have with Psalms and Proverbs. They're on the on the, the sign-up sheet back there. If you don't have one, go, go grab them, and we will start reading this together as a church. If you want to be on our reading plan, go on our website, go on our Facebook, and, and, and again, we'll be posting some of these things up there. If you have comments, booyah. Send them in, because God is doing stuff. Amen? Amen. Let's press in, and then we'll press on. Father in heaven, blessed be your name. You are so good to us, Lord. You're so good to us, Lord God, that as we press into you, as we look to you, and as we look to your word, Lord God, you will, you will speak to us, Lord. Your word is active. It's powerful. It's living. It does its work that it intends to do. And we want to be faithful to be in the middle of it, to be found in it, in you, oh God. Lord, I pray, God, that you would help my brothers and sisters, Lord. My heart this morning was to spell it out to them, share it with them, Lord God. And I pray that as they begin to pray, you would reveal what you want for them. Father, for many, it's just a reminder to continue doing what they've been doing. To others, Lord God, is to get back to doing what they were supposed to be doing and for some of these my brothers and sisters Lord Lord you're going to blow them away as they start doing what they've never done before reading your word blessed be your name Lord bring salvation into this room if there's someone who is not saved Lord who has never had a relationship with you just like you did with Paul Lord you're able to knock them down off their high horse Lord and humble them that they might turn to you We bless you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.